right, back at it here on ESPN 1000. Xander and Hamley joined by Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun-Times. From the press box at Soldier Field, I do believe. How's the sod looking to you, Mark? Well, actually, I'm not in yet. I'm outside looking at the uh, historic columns of uh, Soldier Field right now, trying to enjoy as much of this day as I can, to tell you the truth. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how we're going to put a dome on that. The field, I can probably guess that the field doesn't look too good. That's just based on experience. <laughs> a, veteran, a veteran scribe's uh, view on that. Uh, hey, Mark, we were just talking about the Roquan Smith thing, and it seems like in the last three days it's it's really gone off the rails here. Um, how important – well, uh, how is Ryan Poles handling this in your view? I mean, this is his first big test as a GM, and it seems like uh, some reports are saying that, you know, he's trying to backload a contract and maybe not guaranteeing as much money. And then Mike Florio has a report that someone on Roquan Smith's behalf is dialing for dollars, calling around the league, trying to get a trade that he's, they're not authorized to get. It's really gotten messy here. Yeah, I, I think Ryan Poles is handling it uh... – like a guy who has all the leverage. And um, also for a player, I think it should be noted, who has never played in this defense. I think the situation has kind of evolved the way it has because he's kind of been lost in the, in the transition between the pace regime and the poles regime. And this is, you know, Roquan has every right to think he's as valuable as he does because of what he's done in the previous defense. But this is a new defense, this is a new team, and the Bears have every right to want to see Roquan put up Darius Shaquille Leonard uh, numbers uh, in this uh, in this defense before they really plunge, and I think that's why the that's why there's the backloading because I think they want they want they probably I'm guessing that they want a quick out in case Roquan isn't quite an easy out after a year or two in case Roquan isn't exactly what they want in this defense, and uh, and you know Roquan wants to be paid like the best linebacker in the NFL, so I see both sides. But to answer your question, I think I'm a little surprised uh, uh, that uh, you know rookie GM is is is, is playing it. I, I think correctly. I think any GM worth his salt would be using the leverage he has for a player who is under contract. That's the key. Yeah. Roquan pretty much has to play this year, whether he's happy or not. The the the, the fines that uh, that accrue with this uh, and accumulate are going to be prohibitive. And he get, and his and if he doesn't play six games. His uh, his you know his year of service is frozen. He'll still be a fifth year player next year. He really has no leverage. So the only question is, does he come? Does he come in? Uh, can the Bears find a way to make him happy and, and still keep him? Because I don't think trading, frankly, is going to be a good option. Because if you look at the teams that they're looking at as possible trade partners, most of them their first round pick, even now, but especially with Roquan Smith, is not going to be like in the top ten, which is where Roquan was drafted. So. That's not going to be a really great situation for the Bears. I don't think Poles wants to get started. He wants to accumulate draft capital, but uh, but not uh, lose on the deal. And so I think the only option is for Roquan to come back and play this season. The only question is, how happy can they make him? Mark, um, it seems as though he's overplaying his hand just a bit here, um, being under contract. But how much of this has to do with him not having professional representation? I think uh, I would say probably more than I thought. Yeah, I think I, I think uh, I think that's been a negative, and um, it uh, I, I don't quite get it uh, uh, why guys don't, especially in these situations, don't use an agent. I mean, I can't believe it's just to save money. He's going to be guaranteed fifty million dollars no matter what he does, just about. Right. And so the chintz on that doesn't does not seem like 
like that would be the really prudent thing to do. So I think um, I, I, I'll be, I'm mystified, I guess, is why he's chosen mm-hmm. that tack, and maybe he's getting bad advice. He did fire his previous agent, who had led him down, I think, a, 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 a negative path or a bad path in the first holdout that was not, not unnecessary, so I kind of got that. But to not go to any other new representation – I think has been a negative for the player. For the most part, those things generally work out worse for the player. Sometimes the player does benefit. I think Laramie Tunsil might be a good example. I can't remember. Richard Sherman, not. And a couple others, not. And so I just don't think it's a smart move at this point in time of his career. So, again, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I think it's, I think it's been a detriment. It's been a, a detriment to the situation on both sides. So on the field today, uh, it does look like they, the offensive line has shaken out to the point where they found five, a starting five. Um, is that legit? I mean, they're not going to – is this the group that they're going to move forward with as long as they stay healthy? And if so, is that going to be serviceable for Justin Field? Well, we'll see about that. That's, that's actually a key point for today because, you know, they're only going to play uh, you know, a couple series, I imagine. But uh, Braxton Jones at left tackle, this is one of those situations where you see a guy, you like him in the draft, he shows you something, you move out a couple of you know, uh, drafted players from the previous regime to make room for him, he shows you something, but now he's got to play at a different speed. And then he'll have to play at another speed in, at, at the start of the regular season. So this is a, probably a bigger test for, for, for Braxton Jones than anyone. But just that unit as a whole, because on paper it looks shaky. That you know We've seen before in Chicago, you can have – offensive lines that don't have a lot of name recognition but still end up being pretty good. So uh, I'm not saying they're not going to be good, but that's going to be a big key is to see if they can. But uh, right now on paper, it uh, doesn't look great. Uh, they still need Lucas Patrick back. He was, there, he was actually their, uh, their, uh, their big free agent signing and, and a big key for that offensive line. So that's going to be one place to look at right away is the offensive line and particularly Braxton Jones. Can he handle it? Because that would be a great sign if a guy can come right in pick at a guy in the fifth round who could be a starting left tackle in the NFL with a second-year quarterback. If they have that kind of confidence in, in Jones to do that, and if he can handle that, that's just a good sign for the future that Ryan Poles has the kind of intuition and acumen about offensive linemen that's expected to make the difference between his operation and what Ryan Pace did, because that's where they really faltered in the end. Yeah, uh, the the idea of uh, Justin making improvement uh, – for for the season, as much as we'll see him today, what are we looking for? Just him getting the ball out of his hands and, and staying upright, I, I guess, would yes, be they, a measure I, of, might be kidding. of forward you momentum. You might be kidding, but you're, you're exactly right. Yeah, so that's I, I have very low expectations for fields and for the offense. I just want to see them complete the passes that it, when Getsy was in Green Bay, put the Packers in advantageous second and third down situations that really allowed Aaron Rodgers to be Aaron Rodgers. They don't have Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to. But one of the secrets of his success was that they had an offense that either ran the ball on first down or used those little those quick outs uh, or screen passes, whatever, to get either. If they were in second 10, they were in third and three. If they're in first and 10, they get in second and three. And, I just, and that's really all they're doing at this point. That's really all you can really measure at this point are those just functional operational plays. Can the Bears even execute that? Because we saw from the Nagy regime, that was a huge 
negative. They just could not. Mm-hmm. They could those simple plays that other teams run the quick out to get you four or five yards on first. Yeah, they just couldn't do that very well. They get one yard and then they'd be in second and nine. So really, I want to see if Luke Getzey uh, is at least getting on 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 the, on the ground floor on this offense by at least allowing them or getting them to execute simple plays. Because really, we're not going to see uh, Justin Fields in the offense very long. You're not going to be able to make any grand judgments about where the where the Bears are headed. It's really got to you. Really got to look at it. I'm going to look at it. Speaking for myself, just pretty simply, and just see if they can do the very simple first step first uh, on offense in Chicago. And Cole Komet is not going to be out there today. And they're you know they're saying it's not a serious injury, but he's not out there. It's to me, it's it's a make or break season for Kamal, for Cole Komet. And um, you know there are a few guys like that, right? But uh, how important is he to this offense and to Justin Field? Well, he is because. Um, uh, yeah, because because he's supposed to be kind of a a, a, a two-way tight end, and he's supposed to be a really good blocker and facilitate the offense downfield and get open and be open and uh, and make plays with the ball. I mean, he's just he's you know he's not Travis Kelsey, but he can certainly be Kyle Rudolph. I guess that's that's where he stands. And mm. uh, this is the uh, being in he, he's a, let, let me put it this way he he will be a good litmus test for if this is a good offense or not. If the t- I always say an open tight end is a sign of a good offense. You saw it in Green Bay with Favre all the time. It's the same way with Rodgers. You see it with almost any offense. Kansas City when when the when the when the tight end is open, that means you've got a, that generally means you've got a good offense. So Cole Komet can facilitate that like not very many like not very many tight ends can. And so if you see him making plays, that's a sign that they're actually going to have a better offense than they've had uh, that they had under Matt Nagy. So uh, the one position we're not talking about a lot because I think that we feel uh, somewhat secure would be running back, David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert. How, how much do you think, uh, how much action do you think they'll see today? And uh, what should we be, we be looking for there, Mark? Well, I, I think, I'm not sure if they're going to play, if both of them, if either of them will play a whole lot. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to be, a, but they will be a tandem. And, and I think, I think this season is about establishing them as interchangeable parts. And it goes back to the whole, I keep going back to this, but it goes back to the Green Bay thing. Can they emulate the Green Bay offense? Because Matt Nagy, he kind of said he wanted to establish the run game, but he could never get into any kind of groove. I mean, he would literally go from seven rushes in one game to 37 in the next and overcompensate and just never got any kind of balance. So I'm not so sure if it's the running back. I think I think just like in some of these good offenses, you just plug somebody in there, then you're generally pretty good. I think that's that's what's going to have to happen with this offense. So Montgomery uh, is outstanding, and I think Khalil Herbert is very good, uh, and and I think they'll both be productive in a good offense. But, uh, but again, that's going to be a sign of how good is your offense and can you actually run the ball on first down and run the ball when teams know you're going to run the ball. And also, and that's the key for Getsy because I, I, I get the sense that he is a little better at, at, at kind of living up to that, and he understands from his Green Bay experience just how important it is not only to just say you're going to run the ball or run a certain amount, but have a rhythm to it. Have a, you know, don't just shy away from it, uh, you know, uh, once, once, when, it, when it's not working and that kind of thing. So. I think I, I'm not sure if I'm looking at the running backs per se, but I'm looking at running back production for sure. Before we let you go, Mark, you know, I have to ask you about Justin Field. It, it, the offense has been what you might call shaky so far in camp, uh, but the injuries to wide receivers certainly come into play. But what have you seen uh, in Justin Fields that he has been doing better uh, this year 
And uh, what is, you know, where, where's the worst still need to be for hopefully a franchise quarterback? Well, I'll be honest to me, and I'm not a film watcher, but the uh, improvements have not been uh, overt or easily discernible. I have talked to people who tell me, yeah, that, you know, his, his footwork is better and it will make a difference in, in, in executing this offense and getting quick throws and things like that. Uh, we've seen some of that, but again, it's against a Bears defense. So you, you never, so you never really know. Um, it's going to, I'll be honest, it's going to be a huge key for the Bears. It's, it's, to me, it's the big question of this year is, uh, can they develop uh, Justin Fields without really giving him the uh, supporting cast he needs to develop? That's, that's the trick. They, they, they say they can, and, uh, you know, they're, they're certainly skeptics. So, um, so I'm not sure what to tell you on Justin Fields because if he fails, it, it, a lot of people are going to say, well it, was, well, it wasn't his fault, and, and that'll be a problem for for Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze and, and Ryan Poles at the end of the year, if, if that ensues. But, um, yeah, I really don't know. One thing about uh, uh, Justin Fields that has been noticeable is he's running a lot. I mean, he runs a lot. And these, a lot of these, with this, you know, without having receivers open, he's running a lot. And, you, and you know that won't work in a real game. So mm-hmm. if you're going to be looking for anything, you really want to see, and even in these few, few short plays, does he have the rhythm of that of the of the offense, and that he knows when to run, when to run, when not to run? Because if you look back at it, that's where Trubisky failed. He was great at it in 2018. Mm-hmm. I think he averaged like 6.2 yards per carry, and he lost that net. He lost something. Something happened. He lost that instinct about when to run, when to run, when not, and, and that kind of started his downfall. So that's really based on what I've seen in training camp. I'll be honest. That's what I'm looking uh, from uh, for from Justin Fields, even in this little you know, cameo today. Is uh, does he know when to run and when not to? Because uh, that's with this with this offensive line with this offense. I, I think his legs are going to be a big part of it. Mark Potash from the Chicago Sun Times. Thanks so much for joining us here on ESPN 1000. When you get into the stadium, make sure to grab some green spray paint and kind of help out with the field and paint those uh, divots. Okay. I take no responsibility for the field, the Soldier Field. That is entirely a McCaskey Chicago Park District operation. Well, they might, they might need all hands on deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, well, you're right about that. I'll be happy to help out in that case. I love Soldier okay. Field. You're the best, Mark. Thanks, right, man. Thanks, appreciate Mark. it. All right, appreciate thanks, guys. Talk to you later. All right. Uh, yeah, lots to dive into. I look forward to this, Brian, uh, to see what the new regime can bring, even though it's going to be a very, very small test today being preseason and all. And we'll dive into that and more here on ESPN 1000 when we come back. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. This is Xander and Hanley on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. I would like to play uh, significantly uh, amount of plays, but uh, just to get a... Uh, a glimpse of like how Luke calls plays and uh, just how the feel of the game will be. Just uh, just how you know how we talk about like how things will go and uh, actually how they will go. So uh, it's good to talk about things and it's, it's a good thing to hear things. But um, actually, how will they go when actions are and bullets are flying? So it'd be a good sense of how how things will be called. And then long down the road, we'll we'll get to like. Uh, a second or third down, and I'll know exactly how he's thinking. Like, okay, we're about to call this, so I don't even have to think about, like, what he's going to call. I can actually, like, get to the line of scrimmage and actually look at the defense and how they're uh, going against us. So, Bears, uh, is that wide receiver number one? We'll find out. Who are you most excited to see play beyond Justin Fields today, Brian Hanley? 
Well, it, it's interesting. <laughs> Mark Potash is nothing but honest, and he's been doing this a uh, very long time for the Chicago mm-hmm. Sun-Times at a very high level. It, it just took me back a bit when he said, Justin Fields, whatever he's doing well or doing better, is not necessarily overt or obvious. I had to take a breath there. Um, in, in practice, right. Yeah, right. Um, because you need to see him. It needs to be overt and obvious uh, as we move forward here. Maybe. Yeah, not. but how much do you see in practice, though? See, that's always that's always what what comes to mind for me. I mean, you know, it, it's not it's not real game action. So, but hopefully, hopefully, what he talked about were subtleties that maybe weren't as obvious that will right. become obvious during a game. Yeah, he said, you know, film people watch film, break it down, tell you the footwork is there and all that, and that's terrific. Mm-hmm. Darnell Mooney just told you that what he's, you know, he wants to actually, it's great to talk about and drop a game plan and, and whatever handful of scripted plays you have, but to, when it becomes second nature, right? And that yep. was the biggest thing, one of the biggest things with Matt Nagy, there was no rhythm to the offense, as Mark said. None. There, it, there, one play didn't set up another play. He, he didn't, even when the scripted plays, every, every coach worth a damn probably scripts 25 to 30 plays to start a game, right? And, and, what what did the scoring in the first half look like for the Bears under Matt Nagy? It was disastrous. It was mm-hmm. you couldn't have made that up. It was such. I mean, you were lucky to get a field goal before halftime. The good news is, uh, Mark Sander, is that I don't know what exactly uh, Matt Nagy did or did not do to prepare for his first head coaching job in the uh, in the NFL. But the fact of the matter is that. Uh, Colleen Kane in the Chicago Tribune wrote that this is what Eberflus did since January, because this is his first uh, first job being the head guy. Yep, that's and, right. And he's spent 15 to 20 video sessions with Bears Director of Research and Analysis, Harrison Freed or Fried, and not Harrison Ford, um, to prepare for various game situations, running through end of game, end of half, and challenge scenarios, among other things. He also had video sessions with the coordinators to work out their communication for situations and has consulted with NFL officials for rule, rules education. And then he's ran through game scenarios Tuesday at Family Fest to actually put some of that in practice. So, I mean, the guy, one thing I've taken away from Matt Eberflus, and I don't, I haven't seen him, you know, we haven't seen him in, in even a preseason game. We'll see him today, obviously. He seems like he over-prepares, right? He's buttoned up. He's buttoned up, very corporate-like, over-prepared, ready for anything. And you know that wasn't the case with Nagy. It, well, it certainly seems like it wouldn't have been. I don't know. Maybe it was, but it certainly didn't pay dividends for oh, him. It didn't translate, right? It didn't translate no. to game day. So, I mean, maybe Matt did exactly the same thing or even more than uh, uh, Matt Eberflus has done since January. But That's he's not our problem good. anymore. No, but I mean, but that if if in fact he did none of that or not nearly enough of that to even check in with, you know, what what here are all the possible scenarios to challenge? You know, when when do you throw that flag? When don't you? You know, when do you waste the time out? When not? Um, But to to get that communication with everyone involved, to be able to think on your feet because you've gone through dry runs of game situations. Mm -hmm. So you're not taking your mind. What do I do now? You're not kind of having a brain freeze. I mean, how many times do we hear, well, the, the headsets weren't working? Well, sometimes I didn't know the head was working, let alone the headset with Matt Nagy. And, you know, Matt Eberflus just looks like he is more grounded and prepared, whether that actually translates or plays out or ends up being 
that he's a coach of a playoff team or a Super Bowl contending team, time will only tell. 312-332-3776. I've got to say, overall, I'm most looking forward to the overall team approach under Matt Eberflus. And I'm hoping that is going to be something that's very obvious to where we can all just kind of breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, maybe this isn't going to be a tremendous season, but we can see how a coach really runs a football team. We can see this is moving in the right direction. And I'm hoping that we get a sense of that early on today as the noon kick uh, features the Kansas City Chiefs and the Bears from Soldier Field. You want to believe that smart people are running the operation, whether, you know, and, and you heard Mark Potash say that Ryan Poles for a first year GM is using his leverage. And, and we heard Ryan Poles talk about that on Tuesday that, you know, he, he's, he's got to be a, a big picture roster guy and it can't be about one player, even if mm-hmm. that is your best player. So you want to believe that they got it right this time with the GM and with the head coach and with all the coaching staff, you know, when, when polls and Iberfus got together and put together staff, it doesn't mean it translates in one season. There's still no. six and a half over under win team in Las Vegas for a reason because they don't have enough talent and it's not an overnight fix, right. but you want to believe that smart people are now running the operation and within time, hopefully sooner than later, that's going to pay dividends on the field, and it's going to you're going to be able to point to them and say, "Yeah, I, I knew these guys got it, and they do have it." You know, Brian. Uh, I, I and again, I think it will be as simple as seeing some sort of different approach, maybe an offensive rhythm to where, okay, we're not winning games, but we're we saw some things under the Nagy regime that we hope we'll never see again, and just to not see those things is going to be a step forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you call a timeout and all of a sudden a guy jumps right away on the offensive line, you got a penalty after a timeout, or there's confusion after you just talked about something for a couple minutes, and it looks like no one really was paying attention. Undisciplined play, penalties, um, lack of effort, loafs, um, you know, lack of uh, tackling, you know, basic football things. That's 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 you got to start somewhere with a foundation, right? That's exactly right. Vince Lombardi used to, day one of every training camp, used to hold up a football and say, gentlemen, this is a football. I mean, that's right. how basic it gets. And then you yeah. go from there. And, and, and the bar is low compared to what we saw before. So today, I think, I have great hope that we will notice the difference immediately. Then it's just about building on top of that. 312-332-3776. It's Hanley and Xander. We're here for another half hour. We'll take your phone calls. You want to talk Bears? You want to talk Sox, baseball? Uh, I almost wish it was Will Ferrell that uh, was imitating Harry Carey. At least it would have made a little more sense at the Field of Dreams game. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about when you jump in here at 312-332-3776. That would have been more entertaining, right? It would have made more sense, even though it was satire. Ryan Dempster does a bad one, too, right? A bad Harry Carey. Um, (laughs) We got Cub thoughts because Jason Hayward is uh, no longer going to be part of the Cubs moving forward. And, uh, you know, Jesse Rogers had a terrific Cubs column on ESPN Chicago's website. And um, uh, Tom Ricketts is now an answer-by-statement guy. He's not available. And uh, that's disappointing because whatever you think of current ownership on the north side, um, Tom Ricketts, didn't used to hide. And to me, he, he was the guy that was walking in the stands and now yep. he's hiding. That is a great disappointment. All right. We'll talk about that and more here on ESPN 1000 when we get back. 
Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Xander and Hanley on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. All right, preseason game number one, kickoff noon. Bears and Kansas City Chiefs. So who are you most looking forward to seeing play today and how they can make an impact aside from Justin Fields? 312-332-3776. Bear fan Bob joins us here on ESPN 1000. Hey, Bear fan Bob. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. So, you know, I give my preseason tickets away to my neighbor. I hope she has a great time. You know, I don't go down there for preseason games, so I'm going to watch this on TV, and I'm looking for one thing and one thing only. I want to see an offensive line play like a big boy offensive line. You know, things like blocking, opening up holes for the running back, maybe holding back the defense for a little while so you can complete a pass, because when the offensive line shows cohesiveness and uh, they do things like that, all things else will fall into place in time. Guys, those are my thoughts. Have a great day, huh? Thanks, Bob. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, we always appreciate hearing from Bear Fan Bob. He's not wrong. I mean, it, you know, that's a, that's a that's a core need, and uh, Justin Fields is going to need some people he can rely on to give him time, which will amount to performance and confidence, and it'll just feed the beast, Brian. Yeah, I mean, as Mark Potash just said, to 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 play off of what uh, Bear Fan Bob said, you know, Mark's looking to see if he has the knack of when to run. And and when he can make the most of running, and not just running for your life, right? I mean, if this, <laughs> right. Right. If this offensive line doesn't a give difference. Him, doesn't give him the confidence to take that second to to kind of you know discern what he's looking at. If he's just taken off because he feels like he's in fear of his life, that's not going to be working out for anybody. Right, three one two three three two three seven seven six. You're right. There's there is a difference in running and running for your life. And we've seen Justin run for his life way too much, and I think he would be most appreciative if running was just because it's part of a play. We've had Sean from Bolingbrook wants to jump in here on ESPN 1000. Hey, Sean. Gentlemen, how are you? Thanks for taking the call. Two quick yeah. things. First, I'm just looking forward to seeing an offense that doesn't look vanilla. You know, a lot of motion. Uh, just, just not the plain Jane offense. That's what I'm really looking forward to. And the second question I had for you, or the first one is, FanDuel's got the Bears now at five and a half for the over and under. It was six Ooh. and a half a couple of days ago. So Ooh. I'm on the app now staring at it while I'm listening to you boys. Would you take the over or the under? It's at five and a half, and uh, I appreciate wow. you taking my call. I will zip it and let you boys talk. Thanks, okay. man. Wow. Yeah, they dropped you. a full game because they were – the the over under was sitting at six and a half forever in Vegas, even though the under was weighted like minus one twenty one minus one twenty five. You had to pay a little bit more uh, juice to to take the under. It's now dropped. Is that because Roquan Smith situation? I I mean I don't know what would have. Well, what's the other variable that would have affected that at this point? Where it kind of yeah. seems like it might be right. Well, I mean I'm a contrarian. Um, so to answer your question, it was Sean, right? Um, to yeah. Answer the question. I. Now at five and a half, I'd bet the over this this schedule is not the toughest schedule by any stretch of the imagination. And I do believe that they have a competent coaching staff. I'm not saying they're going to win 10 games or eight games, but I think they can win six games out of 17, I would hope. Um, so I would take the I would hop on at six and six and a half. I was a little leery. I, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, 
But five and a half, I think they got six games in them. So I, I think you're, them. I, I, I think you're right. I think that that would be a solid bet. Time to jump on that now. But it is uh, curious that change, probably the Roquan Smith situation. But remember, he has to play this year. He's under contract. Yep. If he doesn't play six games, he's going to be sitting there for another year under Bears control. And you don't want an unhappy player going. It's, it going seems like that far. would be counterproductive. Right? Oh, it would be awful. It would be the worst case scenario if, if you know, they can't. I mean, you, you arguably, I know Ryan Pulse has all the, the leverage here, but arguably you have to have this thing figured out by game one of the regular season. It, this can't spill into the regular season. It won't work. It won't not serve anybody at that point. And, and as we were talking about earlier with uh, Mark Potash, you know, it's interesting the the idea that they're at this terrific impasse in that the Bears want to see him in this new defense, and he wants to get paid yep. before he steps into this new defense. And yeah. you you could you could see that he wants more guaranteed money. But again, I, the first thing out of out of the gate, I think he should reconsider uh, having professional representation. Maybe he can hire somebody, have them jump in and and fix this mess because. Not only do agents look out for your best interest, but they also isolate you, the player, or the oh, performer, yeah. if we're talking about music or whatever, from, from management. You want to retain that good relationship. They're that buffer. Yeah, I mean, I told you guys like Jack McDowell would sit in those arbitration hearings, and everyone told him not to do it. But, you know, he was a stubborn guy, and he was a very proud guy, and when you go into those things, they don't tell you how great you are. They tell you all the things you don't do very well, and that's why they, here's the number we're offering you instead of the number you like. Um, it's all business, and business sometimes can get messy. And but certain guys, uh, you know, believe that they just can come in and say, you know, five years and a hundred million, and it sounds about right, and I want this guaranteed, and right. they're not backloading it. And and Ryan Poles is like, whoa, 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 we'll, you know, we'll give you some of that, but we're not giving. It's a negotiation, right? Right. But right. You, you know, and what you were saying about, you know, you, you only hear about what you haven't done when you're in yep. negotiations. When you hire an agent, they tell you how wonderful that you are. Exactly. And then they, they go and fight the battle for you. So this is really probably the most uh, this is the craziest part of it, because it seems to be obvious that he should have some professional representation. And there's a cost to that. But if he's guaranteed 50 million, I mean, if it were my money, I'd be all right with that. How about you, Brian? I think you would. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially if I was 25 years old. But uh, that said, I mean, that that is generational wealth. But you understand that he is one snap away from not having a football career. So he needs. Does he understand money. that, though? That's the question. Well, I think he does. That's why he doesn't want a backloaded contract. I think he wants, you know, he wants it evened out or maybe front loaded. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Where do you weigh in on this whole Roquan Smith issue? Um, you know, I Ryan Poles no doubt has the leverage, and I think uh, Roquan has overplayed his hand a little bit at this point in time. But then again, he does have a point. Guaranteed money does help when you're playing football because you are one snap away from not playing football anymore. And uh, if you want to jump in and also let us know who you're looking forward to seeing today, the pregame at uh, the kick is at noon. Who are you looking forward to seeing? Although it will be limited for a lot of the starters. What do you look to see aside from Justin Fields? That's too easy. 312-332-3776. 
When we come back, we are going to wrap up the poll, set you up for the uh, White Sox game, and uh, take your calls up until 11 here on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to Xander and Hanley on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Three one two three two two three seven seven six. Xander and Hanley on ESPN one thousand. Peggy and Dion jump in at eleven. We're here till then. We've got a Twitter poll to wrap up before we get out of here. Hey, tell me about talk, this car show. Yeah. Tell me about your car. Your oh car yeah, show. yeah, yeah, yeah. We we uh, I I have an old Pontiac and uh, I'm in part of a club on the board of the club and all this kind of stuff and we have a big thing to do every August and it's up in the Crystal Lake area. So uh, we'll bring the old girl out today and uh, just what kind of Pontiac? I mean, what year? What model? It's a what? 1969 Grand Prix. Ooh. And uh, if if you look at those things, I, I just love the styling. I've, I've been a big fan forever, and it's it's kind of a rare bird in that it's a uh, it's a four speed manual car. They only made like two hundred seventy of them. Wow. So when I was able to find it, it was pretty much my holy grail. It it's not perfect. It's got a lot of battle scars. They call these survivor cars or unrestored cars. But you drive straight and uh, a lot of fun to drive. So so are you a gearhead too? Do you get underneath oh, the hood yeah. and? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've rebuilt a uh, top of top of a motor from another Grand Prix that I had that I've since sold. So yes, I greatly enjoy that. That is really impressive. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's fun. I I've been doing a lot of work to uh, to the car to get her ready. So uh, yep, yep. What color? Gonna, uh, triple black, black interior, black Ooh. exterior. Yeah. Wow, there you go. That's and a it's, and get this, and and get this. It is. Uh, if you remember, Brian, you're old enough to remember the old manual steering cars that didn't have sure. power steering. Yeah. This car is a four-speed and manual steering, and it was ordered that way by a farmer up in northern Wisconsin because he did not want power steering because he drove tractors all day. <laughs> so you have to be careful when you're yeah. coming up to a right-handed turn, and you have to downshift, and you have to muscle that wheel around the corner. Wow. It's quite fun to drive. So how how often do you get it out other than car shows? Do you I mean do you just tool around in it or is yeah it special? yeah you know yeah right right uh, yeah I'll uh, take it uh, take it around for joy rides maybe once a week or something like that eh, maybe maybe uh, a tank of gas every summer and then she gets stored away for the winter. How many miles like are we getting on the muscle car? Uh, uh, I I I don't even want to calculate that. <laughs> that that is not part of the equation. I am not even going to bother with that. Oh man. I can't imagine what that would look like when you hit the pump. Uh, and I, and- I'll tell you something. I've waited. Uh, <laughs> she's been on fumes, and I waited until yesterday to last possible moment for gas to come down to a decent amount. Under $4. Because if I would have filled yeah. it up two months ago, there's just no Whoa. way. It, it would have been $7 a gallon. Because, of been- course, she has to get the full octane. He would have been pulling the J-Can 2 shift today where he's working from like 6 in the morning to <laughs> right, 10 at right. night. Yeah. To, afford, to afford the joyride. Yes, I yeah. would have. Yes, well, that's I cool. Would. So it's a Crystal Lake, and when is it? Uh, it's today and tomorrow. started actually yesterday at the Holiday Inn in Crystal Lake. For anybody who wants to come and see Old Pontiacs, it's at the Holiday Inn on Route 31. And, um, oh, what is that? Three Oaks Road. Terrific. And, yeah. and all day, I assume? Yeah, all day, all day today, all day tomorrow. Uh, we have a chance of rain, 
today at 50% at about 4 p.m. So that's going to chase a lot of people away. But the great thing about having an unrestored car is I'm okay if it gets wet. There you go. Get some Rusty Jones on the seat and you're ready to go. <laughs> Rusty Jones. I sold cars <laughs> for like six months out of college when I couldn't uh, find a job initially. And and you'll be, I mean, I, I know all the tricks of the trade of what they do to, to you know, they might give you the car at a hundred or two over invoice, but once they, they try the add-ons and, you know, I, I don't think Rusty Jones is a thing anymore, but it was back no, in the no, day. No, it's not. Yeah. It, was, it was back in the day, you know, yeah. get a couple hundred for that. And z Oh, z yeah, yeah, yeah. That was your and competition then, for Rusty yeah, Jones. Yeah, that, that, so whenever I need to go buy a car, I, I have an idea of what uh, what's legit. Oh, so what. you're you're the person that they do not want to see show up haggling for a car because you know all the tricks of the trade. Well, I mean, it, it's a, you know a lifetime ago, but I don't think those you know. But here with with COVID and pandemic, there's no negotiating. I mean, no, there's not anymore. No. You take what they'll you take what they have or you get and, and you and you take the price they want to tell you is I and mean you like it. My brother was out looking for a car and he couldn't find the one he wanted and he ended up with a car that he's very happy with, but he went to one dealership and the guy's like oh, you know, he's like, What's this seven thousand dollars? He said, That's a COVID tax. He's like, What? <laughs> it, it's yeah. pure profit because yep. He wasn't going to pay it, but somebody was going to pay it. Is there desperate to get a car because there are none out there, or there were? It, none it, out it there. is a seller's market for sure, and I can tell you, somebody that I know just saw their uh, their car on the used lot with more miles being sold at the price that they bought their car new. Oh, the same one. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's that's the shocker. So if you, you know, as as somebody who works on cars and enjoys it, if you have a car that you think, oh, I should replace it. No, maintain it, keep it. This is not the time to do something like that. Yeah, I've got a uh, 2014 uh, Grand Cherokee, but it's only got 70,000 miles on it. Oh, you're uh, good. That thing will yeah. run forever. I've got a 13 Grand Cherokee. Yeah, and, and I think <laughs> I, saw, yeah. I saw the average age of cars on the road now are like 12 or 13 years old because of you know a lot of the things we're talking about. People are hanging Certainly. on to them longer. Yeah. Certainly, and, and the cars in recent years, can't say this for cars in the 80s, uh, but in recent years, they have been built to drive further. So all you have to do is maintain them. Sometimes it's real tough to open the checkbook, but you maintain them and you're in better shape than if you're training it in every two or three years. So uh, White Sox today, uh, Lucas Giolito, he's on the mound. Last time he was out, he looked a lot better than he had previously, but it's been kind of up and down year for him. He's part of our Twitter poll, which we'll wrap up before we get out of here. But that's uh, he's up against Matt Manning for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, he's a righty. He's uh, seen four games. Four games started. He's got uh, no decision, so he's 0-0, but he has an ERA of 2.25. Offense has been so hard to find with the White Sox, and it's just so puzzling. We will remember this year forever, Brian, as the offense that should have been but never was. But never was nearly consistent enough. And right. we, um, before we get out of here, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Fernando Tatis Jr., the news that oh, broke yes. yesterday. I'm glad you brought that up. Former well, White tell Sox you, uh, he, property, and now, yeah. you know, He's been out with because of a motorcycle accident. He hasn't played this year, but mm -hmm. they're hopefully hopeful that they would have him back. He'd started a rehab assignment, but the old uh, ringworm medication, according to him, got him uh, with a, yeah. a PED, uh, a, a drug that was banned on on the major league list. He said he was treating ringworm, but that be what it is. Eighty game suspension. Eighty, yeah. No pay, 
And for a team that just went out and got Juan Soto and had designs or has designs on making a run at a World Series, um, that's not the news uh, they were looking for in San Diego. That is a major, yeah, that's a major kick in the pants. And the the idea that he didn't consult somebody is just beyond me because, you know, having a large contract like that, I know if it were me, I would think twice about taking vitamin C. I'd run it past somebody well, seriously, to make I mean, sure that's a lot of that's a lot of money in the balance. And and thankfully, they went out and got those assets because, uh, you know, having him with the team, it's like they bought uh, a world championship, but he's not going to see the field in a good long time. Yeah, they're sitting in there uh, in the uh, last wild card spot, um, but they obviously were making a big play and make trying to make a run here. Um, but you just said it, that the fact of the matter is they're, you run everything by the uh, people in the clubhouse, the medical people. You, they have the list. They can check it. They can check anything you're putting in your body. And I'm with you. If, if it was uh, orange juice with vitamin C in it, I'd say, is this okay? You know, just yep. because of what, what the penalties are. And he he made the he made the he, his statement made all the right apologies to all the right people, but the fact remains he is not going to be used. And I just saw on Twitter yesterday I had to laugh out loud. <laughs> people kept saying, "So did the Sox win the uh, trade, oh. James Shields?" For and obviously no. that's obviously no. the 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 answer to that would be a big no because <laughs> James Shield isn't playing and neither is Fernando Tatis Jr. But he will come back, James will not all right so yeah we've we've got a uh, twitter poll that we need to wrap up here and this is all about the biggest disappointment for the white Sox this year we kept tony's name off of it because we're just talking about players here Uh, we we had only four choices we could have added more but uh your choices are tim anderson yasmani grandal yuan mancata or lucas giolito we had a lot of action a lot of write-ins on this jake how does it look for this poll I think this is the most action we've seen on a tweet. And last week I thought it was pretty, pretty good too. Uh, but this is the closest one as well. Yon Moncada takes it 37.2%, but not too far behind Grandal. Pretty obvious choices. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, for me, for me, it's Grandal. And here's why because this guy has been a supposed power hitter. Um, and his power is just gone. And, um, Moncada, I, I don't know. For some reason, Grandal stands out a little bit more for me than Mankata, but it, I certainly yeah. understand with uh, people say Mankata because there's a lot of uh, a lot of youth and a lot of time wasted so far waiting for him to reach what we thought was his potential. So, yeah, it's it, it's going to be interesting. We need some offense, and of course, they uh, will take the field tonight. It's an early start, six ten at guaranteed rate field. We've got uh, the Bears at noon. And uh, Peggy and Dion next here on ESPN 1000. Brian, I'll see you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 a.m. sharp for more talk about uh, everything that's going on today. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Jake. We appreciate it. This is ESPN 1000.